This is Kenya from Spiritual Vitamin C, the podcast. Truth alert. Living for God is the biggest win. Knowing how, now that's the question. Story by story, we present and break down God's holy word and give practical tips on how to apply kingdom principles today. So stay tuned. This is Kenya from Spiritual Vitamin C, the podcast. I pray that you are well on today, no matter what day this is for you, whether it's your beginning of the week or the middle of the week or the end of the week. I want to say, I pray that you're doing well. And if not, my prayers are up for you on today that God would give you grace to make it through whatever it is you may be facing as you are listening to this podcast, Spiritual Vitamin C, the podcast. We are deep in the heart of the month of May, and we are continuing our series entitled Mind Your Mental Health. It is our attempt to honor uh, National Mental Health Awareness Month, which was established in 1949 to raise awareness, to bring education, to bring information about all things mental health. So we have endeavored this month to do the same. We have brought on amazing mental health professionals that have helped us to understand what is mental health, its importance, the need for conversation, the need for tearing down myths that hold people back from getting services. We are endeavoring to destigmatize mental health. So far, we've had a pastor who was also a therapist. We've had LCSWs. Now, today, we are going to be talking about mental health and substance abuse and just mental health the need for services. And with that, we have two amazing mental health workers uh, who are amazing professionals doing what God has gifted them to do, and that is to champion the cause of mental health. And so we have Aristod, a clinical director at A Wise Retreat. He's a substance use, substance abuse counselor. He has been instrumental in creating substance abuse and other mental health related programs. He graduated from the International University of Felix HBU in the Ivory Coast with a bachelor in criminology, a master's in criminology, psychology, and sociology. He also has a bachelor and a master's in audit and management control. And also we have Marina, who is an amazing psychiatric physician assistant, a psych PA. And she has a tremendous passion for expanding access to quality evidence-based psychiatric services for everyone. She completed her undergraduate studies at UC Santa Cruz with double bachelor degrees in neuroscience as well as in psychology. She completed her medical studies through Toro University, California with double master's degree in PA studies and public health. She is currently in her first year of a part-time doctorate in medical science program. I want to say Let's welcome these two amazing mental health professionals as we embark on this conversation of all things mental health. And so uh, as you two amazing mental health professionals are on the screen, how are you doing today? 
We're good. How about yourself? Doing well. Doing about well. Yourself? Doing well. I'm so glad to see the both of you. It's like a two for one. Both of you are um, masters in your own field. And I say that because to champion the cause of mental health is, is quite an undertaking. It has to be a love. It has to be a passion. And I just want to say thank you for, for doing so. Mental health is extremely important, especially in context of everything that's been happening with COVID just has ramped up. It showed us the necessity of making sure that our mental health is intact. And if it's not, to reach out and get services. So with that, who wants to go first? Tell the uh, viewers of the podcast uh, something about yourselves. Who wants to go first, Jordan or Marina? So um, thank you for this platform at the beginning. Uh, thank you, Kenya, for what you do. Uh, uh, your podcast bring a lot of light, spiritual vitamin C bring a lot of insight to the people who participate in that one. We actually very honored to be part of your mission today and what you do. We actually joined both joined this field by the love of helping other people. And uh, that's what we try to do the best that our gifting, uh, that the gift we see from God and is a really, really a true passion doing that one. Yeah. And we're glad we can help more people. I'm grateful that um, spiritual vitamin C listeners, whether it's the YouTube channel or the podcast, um, that they will be blessed by your gift. And so I'm grateful for um, the both of you taking the time aside from your busy schedule to um, pour into the listeners, not just those who will listen tomorrow or next week, but those who will listen, it, it'll be on record. And, and I'm very grateful that you all decided to turn aside and 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 bless uh spiritual vitamin c the podcast yeah we're both immigrants from countries that don't really believe in mental health services um and so it's important to us to spread the message as well as um make people feel not as alone you said not as alone tell me since COVID, what pre-covid and then and then post-covid and not really post-covid pre-covid and then now still in COVID, how has that changed your view with mental health I think that, first of all, the numbers of uh, psychiatric as well as substance abuse um, issues has skyrocketed, um, especially depression, anxiety um, of adolescents as well as adults. Uh, every substance um, disorder has really been increased by A, the isolation of COVID, uh, B, the stresses, especially now with what's going on, you know, with war in the world, um, we're definitely seeing increased numbers. Wow. Okay. Um, Pre-COVID, you, you ha had a treatment plan, how you, how you practice, whether it's substance abuse, use counselor, psych PA. Have you had to, has your mind changed in how you practice now? So, um, yes, it's for her the question, but I would like to add that pre-COVID people have the occupation was helping them going through some, some emotion most of the time. When you're busy, you have a tendency to push down your anxiety or your depression. COVID show everybody how uh, time is important and also they learn how to discover themselves. 
and this isolation and depression increased the number of uh, substance abuse for people and also the mental illness uh, became more visible, more apparent because there's nothing to do. You have to stay home. So the anxiety and the depression skyrocket. A lot of people lose their job. So the life was looking really, really difficult ahead. That creates also some big, big anxiety and more depression for the family not able to provide for themselves. Wow. So it definitely bring on the table a big, big point of point that we definitely need to look into it overall in the society because the mental health part of society became a little bit too high on the number. And not only that, but our homeless population yes. has uh, increased. increased because people are losing their jobs. People um, are losing their insurances also because they're losing their jobs or because they cannot pay. I didn't think um, about that. As well as um, domestic violence rates have really gone up. They uh, have. Mm -hmm. Yes. Wow. Okay. I, I think it makes sense because you gotta express. You gotta express all of that somehow. It has to come out. Yes. Wow. come out the wrong way. Well, and people are more able to kind of isolate their families and hide what's going on um, more so than, you know, when we were out in society and, you know, somebody might notice a bruise if you're staying home. It's, you know, it puts, especially women and children and also men that get abused um, in in a in a place where they're less a somebody else is less able to recognize their struggle. Wow, I never I don't know. I, I see it takes it takes multiple voices in in the conversation to highlight all these different facet facets. I never would have thought about. I mean, I guess I've seen some things on the news, but I didn't really think about what you said that when you're out in society, people see you. And so to cover up a bruise, you, it's a, you have to do a lot more work, but I, it never ever occurred to me that when you are at home, because you are isolated, that they don't, it's, it's easier to continue the abuse because you're not around anybody. And so the work to have to cover up and to come up with an excuse is not there. Wow. That's huge. Yes. So, so now Jordan, for you, um, the substance abuse part. Mm -hmm. Pre pre COVID, your your treatment plan did 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 it adjust for you? Now that you're we're in the midst of COVID, is it the same? It really really drastically changed. Okay. Because the number is way higher than before. Because think about it, somebody have to go to work. Is not going to be drunk every day or he's not going to use any substance every day because he has to show up at work. He can be tested. But when you spend one year at home and there's nothing to do, the first thing people are leading to, to cover anxiety or depression, is any kind of substance around them. They want to hide this, those feelings. So the number really, really increase. And on top of it, the homeless population increase because people lose their job. So that 
increase the number of depression and they have a tendency to go use anything they can find to hide this depression or to better manage this depression. And also, you know, um, mental health, mental illness was not as much popular before COVID because less people was actually seeking help than now. Okay. They're actually realizing what's going on with them. Be stuck at home for two years really changed the way you see life, really changed a lot of process, mental process in most people. And people was going underlining um, any kind of illness. This illness show up now because you're facing stress, you're facing anxiety, and depression is present because you don't know what tomorrow going to bring it to you. So in that case, the substance abuse are really, really increase so everything changed we have actually thankfully california got different program to help those people but more and more people need help way more and more people okay um go ahead Maria. So to bounce off of that i think both of our treatment planning has changed Thanks. we're taking consideration into consideration more isolation um more, you know, substance abuse, more um, domestic issues, right? Relationships were extremely tested. Um, and so we do have to pay attention to environmental factors um, much more than even we did before. Yes. Okay. To both. What, why, why did you go into mental health? Why, why psych PA? Why substance use, substance abuse counselor? Why? Um, I think for me, immigrating to the United States really, um, from the Ukraine really showed me that help is available, right? Not to everyone right now, but there is help out there, uh, even if it's not accessible. Um, but you know, I went through some struggles myself with mental health and I felt alone. Right. Nobody in my family knew about mental health treatment. Um, it was not supported by our communities. So I vowed that I would make sure that none of my patients go through this journey alone. For me, um, my story starts um, in the early, no, at the end of 1990, early 1999, 1998, where uh, I like to use the word discover is maybe not appropriate to discover that I had a cousin with autism and nobody knew about it. Nobody knew what was it. So he was secluded in the portion of the house where his mom was ashamed and was mm-hmm. hiding him because she don't know what it was and she think his kid was quote, quote, crazy. So uh, one day, one summer, I went to visit and I turned to one of the rooms where nobody's supposed to go. And he was there, isolated by himself, and nobody knew about it. And he was already 16, 17 years old. So imagine somebody living like that for the past 16 or 17 years old was a pain for me. And uh, I take a mission to find out what was going on with him, that how I approached the 
psychiatric department to my university. And my, I've, I met a really, really great teacher, Mr. Asemiel uh, Nyomye, who uh, told me about it. And uh, it bring to me this flame to want to know more and want to help more people. Uh, the outcome of that one is you receive help like you're supposed to, but that directly connect me to the mental health. And the substance abuse came along the way where some family member fall under this bracket. They start abusing substance and help wasn't available. They didn't know what to do. Wow. And I directly started liking and it became my passion. And on top of it, I think my mom had a part to play in there. Why? Because I remember early on when I start actually the my training my university course for mental health, she sent us to the prison where we met the inmate to hear the story. And most of them was regretting ever meet or cross the path of alcohol or drug. And the rest of their life, you have to spend behind bar because under the influence, they made a mistake. So that, for me, my goal is to help more people before they get to this point. Wow. Yeah. Those are some serious stories. Like the beauty of this, this, our own struggles is what I'm realizing is those become the, the motivating factors. And those are like the drives that, that keep us going when it seems like, can I ever get through school? Or, you know, if I'm up against something, those are like, it's kind of like beauty for ashes. God has a way of helping us, um, like package all of this hurt and pain and, didn't have services available and cousin was locked up and in a room and no one knew about it, but um, allow us to purposely reach more people because of what we've gone through. We are more um, emboldened to champion the cause because of what we've gone through. And so I am very grateful truly that um, Marina, I had no idea Ukraine. I mean, like, the stuff that like right in the middle of war. Um, thank you for, for being a part today. And Jordan, just, you know, a cousin that was, you didn't know about for years. Thank you for letting not only myself, but, but those who will be a benefactor of your experience. Thank you for sharing that today. So um, substance use, substance abuse, are those interchangeable? Um, it depends of, how you look at the situation. Because certain okay. substance use, you need education for that to don't turn as abuse. It's commonly used to, to talk about the same, the same, let's say, disease, because addiction is a disease. So substance abuse is when you lose the control. Okay. A substance use is what you use will try to prevent you to use the control. Let's say the case of somebody got a car accident and he need to use some painkiller. We have to educate this person because he's really likely to switch from painkiller to opioid. Oh. Because abusing those medicines, they come as an opioid because they are kind of look at the same and act at the same in the body. If you use the case of narco, to give an example, if you abuse of it, you become addicted to it. But if you use that properly, you receive the help actually intended for. 
So that's why we, we, we mentioned that differently like that. Substance use, you need education. Substance abuse, you already lose the control of what you're taking. Okay. That makes sense. Um, wow. Go ahead. Yeah. Also, and so our psychiatry Bible is called the DSM. Um, and in the DSM, substance use is not listed, right? Substance use, you can use alcohol, you can use, you know, in the case of California, cannabis, marijuana, um, and use it sporadically or use it, you know, at a frequency that is not interfering with your life. Um, substance abuse, there have to be negative consequences. Right. Okay. So it, it can impact relationships. It can impact work, uh, school, whatever. Um, and you keep using despite those negative consequences. Okay. Thank you. Because every time I saw it, I was kind of confused. Like, do I, do I use substance abuse or is it substance use? Okay. <laughs> now, now we know mental health, mental illness. Is there a difference? So I really don't like the term mental illness okay. because it puts a negative connotation um, to those people that are struggling with mental health, right? Illness is um, something that's frowned upon, something that nobody wants to get, something that, um, you know, signif signifies that you're diseased. Okay. Um, and so really what we like to use are mental health conditions. Okay. Um, disorders also place that negative connotation. Um, and so it becomes the opposite of mental health instead of something to strive towards. Okay. And those, 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 uh, those words use mental health illness or uh, disease make people ashamed or feeling guilty to seek for help. So in that case, that creates more and more people abusing substance because they auto-medicate themselves. Because they're ashamed to come and say, hey, I have a, I have a, an anxiety disorder or a depression, constant depression. So they're seeking help towards substance. And that increases the number of abuse of substance also. That we're changing the way we call a really good bring a, a better impact and better opening to those people to reach for help okay so mental health conditions is yes. is, is that the that's the preferred mental yes. health conditions okay psychiatric conditions is also okay it sounds better than disease yes or illness illness <laughs> um and even i was talking with um i interviewed a pastor who was also a therapist and he mentioned the same thing that disease like that just, it, it, it just sounds bad or even illness mm -hmm. that, that sounds just terrible. So yeah, anything that can, can tear down, destigmatize um, mental health, like I'm all for it. Why is mental health so stigmatized? Let's say the population, the community in every aspect need more learning about it. Okay. Because people don't know exactly what's going on and they, it was so for so long called mental health illness and illness being something really bad like people actually scared to reach for help it's like when you tell somebody you got cancer respectfully respectfully is 
he need the support of the older family to make him understand you can fight through it. But they actually take that as a terminal level, but you can actually fight through it. So mental health condition, if the population, if the community is educated about it, they can actually receive help. They can seek help at the early stage before he kind of go a little bit out of control or lead you to become to abuse any kind of substance. I think also, um, for some reason, people think that, you know, diabetes is something that is not in your control, right? Cancer, you didn't ask for cancer. Um, let's say, you know, uh, liver disease. Okay. It is something that happened to your body um, where people think that mental health, because it is your brain, you should be able to control it. And... Go ahead. No, I was going to say, why, why, why the double standard? Because it is a double standard, right? There's just numerous commercials about this medication for when you have, you know, uh, PE or, or maybe you have um, heart conditions or so and so and so. But when it comes, I feel like when it comes to mental health, it even, I don't know, it's just even the commercials are different. So why? Because I think it's too scary for people to recognize that this could happen to anybody. We want to have this notion that we are able to control our brain, right? We are able to control whether we get dementia, we, we are able to control whether, you know, we have hallucinations, where in fact, that belief is actually very detrimental. Wow. Okay. Wow. Fear. Marina, you mentioned adolescents. Do you treat adolescents? Yeah, we treat everyone along the lifespan. Okay. Teenagers, children, how is the outlook? How do how do they come in and present to you? And I mean, just even their ability to accept mental illness. It's really interesting because we say that parents are a lot harder to deal with than the actual, you know, children or, or teenage patients. Um, because I think we underplay the role of environment in in childhood uh, mental conditions, right? Um, a lot of the time, what we see is trauma um, that kind of gives way to other things like anxiety, like depression. Okay. And so by ignoring um, the, the environment that the children are in, we're labeling them with all sorts of disorders that they don't have. Wow. Going back to adolescents or teens. So you say a lot of their stuff is, is environmental. And not, you know, not everything, right. There's very much a biopsychosocial um, framework to psychiatry. And so, you know, depression, anxiety, we know that some of it is genetic. So what you're saying is some of it also is environmental. So a lot of the time what needs to happen is that genes need to meet environment that fosters the genes. Okay. And wow. so let's say somebody is genetically prone to depression. But if you put that person that is prone to depression to a, in a depressing environment, how could they not be depressed? Okay. PTSD also play a big factor in those mental illness. Because Say PTSD, that PTSD Say that is, a, is okay. a factor we sometimes disregard, but it's really important. 
Because what happened to you at the early age can morph your behavior when you became adolescent or when you became adult. Because the PTSD creates uh, like a rebound in the future of how you react depending on the situation. When you see most of the people with substance abuse, most of them have a past with trauma. And the substance abuse was the response to this feeling and this emotion they don't understand. So that also acts. And that also is the consequence can create a lot of mental health condition. Whatever, if you don't have that in your gene, a trauma at the only early age can create the mental health condition in the future. Yeah, and I think it's important to note that trauma has uh, has neurological effects on your brain. Um, and so I think that our society thinks that trauma is limited to childhood, right? Once a couple of months, a couple of weeks passes, we should just get over it. Where, in fact, what happens is that um, trauma changes your brain. It puts you in fight-or-flight mode um, for as long as you don't address it. I, I know it's true just in, in just my own life and just, you know, there's so many layers, right, that, you know, just a Black woman and you can go on forever. I don't think a lot of society realizes that microaggressions and racial you know, and racism and just everyday interactions are trauma. Yeah. To change your behavior. The trauma is, it will remain until it is addressed. Yes. So if you think about it. Um, it makes sense. Wow. So a trauma happens, right? It's really big when it happens. Um, you have a lot of symptoms. Um, and then as time grows, time goes on, right? That trauma can shrink, especially if you get therapy or take medications, hopefully both. So it shrinks, but every time you're triggered, it's activated almost to the point where it was when it originally happened. Okay. Um, and then it can shrink back down and this kind of cycle continues. Even people who get treatment, right, who go to therapy can sometimes be triggered to a point where it's reactivated. Right. That's what flashbacks, nightmares, that's what that is about. And I think both of our really both of us are really um, cognizant of trauma Definitely. and how it can affect a person because it's something that's not at all addressed in society right now. We don't address. We just keep moving because we have to. And any more of your behavior for the future events. Yeah, that's the problem about it. Wow. Let's put that in, in the picture. Let's say you're uh, a kid growing in a family where the parent always yell at him and put him down and uh, don't encourage him on anything he does. He creates this depression who's never going to be addressed and he's going to grow with it. And we're going to see further in the future a low self-esteem because nobody never had him. And low self-esteem and depression and anxiety to do everything. Because everything you've been doing at a young age, you've been yelled at, and everybody, they say it was wrong all the time. So you're not going to be able to take really good decisions for yourself. And the more the depression is there, if, in an instance, um, the situation appears to you, you're going to go directly to substance abuse. 
and you have this condition growing, you don't know what is it and you don't want to reach for help. So you hide yourself behind the substance abuse of it and make your condition worse. It's like the hamster wheel. You get stuck in there. You're reaching to help to the substance, but the substance creates a deeper condition. So you're stuck in a hamster wheel going in circle in the same place. And those are something we need to address also. And I also think that people think that substance use, substance abuse is under somebody's control, right? The DSM specifically says that it is out of your control. It is. And therefore, it is not like society thinks, something that you just should be able to stop doing. Substance abuse is a symptom of a larger problem. It is true. When when you don't have that that understanding with substance abuse, that you can, you should just be able to get over it and keep moving. But it's layered. It's not just what you see, but it's everything under, kind of like the iceberg example, like you only see the tip, but you don't see everything else that's under it. For those who are listening, who may be battling with substance abuse, substance use, mental health condition, how can they fight through all that they've been told about not to seek help or if you do your week or if you do your telling your business, whatever, how can they fight through to get to somebody like, like you? So I would like to, first of all, let them know they're valuable. Everybody on earth is valuable. You have value. And because of that, you're entitled to reach for help. There's help available and there's people for you, for you. So the earlier you reach for help, the better you will feel faster, right? So do not judge yourself. Do not be desperate. There's always a way to help you. Just reach for help and understand you're valuable. Um, there are also resources online that you can look at. There's, and this is a perfect example of a terrible name, the National Alliance of Mental Illness, NAMI. Um, if you go on a, just type in nami.org, you'll be able to find services near you. Um, there are also community clinics that can point you in the direction of free services. Um, therapists often take people on a sliding scale that, you know, pay what they can pay. Um, you know, a good, a good way, Psychology Today, for example, psychologytoday.com, you can search for a therapist in your area and it'll give you a list that you can further refine by certain criteria okay um and so those are all good places to look but if you don't know where to look that's a you know that becomes an issue that can affect the rest of your life okay what if what if someone wants to get to you are you um available can they reach out to you uh, at the moment, if anybody got abused substance or difficulty managing the substance he he abused, um, you can contact a wise retreat. You tap online, a wise retreat is a nice environment set up in Vallejo and Benicia. And it's men, it's only men, the one open now, but we have a women facility opening very soon as well. And I think at this point, you can reach me over there. Also, Noma Valley Hospital also. I work on the ER department over there. You can reach me there, especially on the weekend. Okay. Um, 
anybody can reach me at our website. I currently work at Sion Clinical. Um, it's a uh, clinic which accepts everybody throughout the you know childhood, adolescence, adulthood. Um, we also offer telehealth services. We have uh, psychiatrists, nurse practitioners, PAs on staff, which can prescribe medications and do some therapy. We have therapists on staff. We have a, a medical assistant treatment um, services, meaning that you know your suboxone, your um, let's say antabuse things to help you stop using substances. Okay, and so for those listening or viewing know that the information their information will be linked in the um, episode description so you will be able to reach out to them should you desire to and i want to say both of you marina and jordan thank you so much for um, turning aside from uh, busy schedules and um, blessing spiritual vitamin c the podcast uh, with your um, information and wow, like this, this whole conversation, I'm grateful that it's on record because there's just some really powerful um, truths that have been put to light for us here. And so I'm really grateful that you are here on today. All right. And so I am so grateful for Marina and Jordan. Marina is a psychiatric PA and Jordan is a substance use or substance abuse counselor. And once again, for those of you who may be listening or viewing, all their information is going to be linked in the show notes. I would ask if you that you would please rate Spiritual Vitamin C, the podcast, that you would please consider subscribing, that you would consider uh, those who are on YouTube, if you would please consider subscribing to the channel so that anytime an upload comes, you are the first to be notified. Once again, thank you for uh, joining me today on Spiritual Vitamin C, the podcast. Please remember that life needs a dose of Christ. If you enjoyed this episode of Spiritual Vitamin C, please subscribe. I would also love it if you would rate it and leave a review. I look forward to seeing you next time. And remember, life needs a dose of Christ.